0: to be in Romans 13 today in verse number one and today we're continuing our series Counter Culture." and really the the goal of this series is our, our hope is that we're going as, as Christians that we're going to see that our job as as Christians and our job as a church is not to try to figure out how we can blend in with culture but but our job as a as Christians and as a church is to figure out how we can become more and more like Jesus and so that's why we've talked about it over the last couple of weeks. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, a biblical view of marriage. Not, not what does the world say about marriage, but instead what does the Bible have to say about marriage? And then last week, we looked into Scripture and, and we saw that, that God tells us, that God's Word tells us, that there's only, that there's only one God, that there's only one way to heaven. Now, that is different than what culture tells us. But we want to look and see well, what does the Bible have to say? And today, the 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 topic that we're going to be covering today is going to be what is a biblical view of a Christian's relationship and vice versa with the government, and and I thought you know as I as I look at what's going on right now, I thought you know this is to me it just seems like it's a very pertinent question to ask because there is a there's a great lack of civility today, and one of the easiest things in the world to do is to sort of like hate on government. You know, I looked at some polls and I think the la- latest poll that I saw said that uh, can- the Congress's approval ratings right around 20%. Uh, and some of y'all are saying, well, I think it should be even lower than that. Uh, there are some who are, uh, there's this poll out that says like President Trump's approval ratings anywhere between 40 to 45%. And so there is no doubt that right now we live in a very, divided nation. I mean, we think we all know this. We live in a very divided nation, but it's not just a divided nation. Y'all, it is an angry nation. A lot of people, doesn't matter if you're on the left or if you're the right, a lot of people are just very simply angry right now. And, uh, and whenever, I, whenever I was going through this and I was looking at the text that we were going to be covering today, uh, man, it, it really bothered me because, because it convicted me. Whenever I looked and I saw, what does the Bible have to say about what our relationship, what a Christian's relationship is to be with the government? And uh, the reason why it bothered me is because I'm like everybody else. You know, I like to make my opinions known, and if I don't like something, I like to share it with y'all, and like to share it with everybody I know and tell everybody how right that I am. But uh, the Bible today is something that's very convicting for me. And today we're going to look at the Apostle Paul, share with us, what a biblical view or a biblical relationship is to be between God's people and the government. And my guess is that there can be some of you who are like me. You might not really like this. Uh, you might, might chafe a little bit against you. Some of you might say, yeah, I believe this all along. Uh, I was, I'm not one of those people. And so it was something that was very convicting to me. Uh, but today, I really believe this. I believe if we take the, the Word of God, we apply it to our lives, I believe it really can, as Christians, it can change the way we view government. And then my hope is also that it would change the way that government, those who work for the government, would view people. And so that's why today we're going to look in Romans chapter 13 and we're going to look in verse number 1. And so as you, as you were looking there, I, w- I want to kind of give you what, what was going on in the previous parts of, of Romans. Previous parts of Romans deal with how a person comes into a relationship with Jesus, how they become a follower of Jesus. And in the early part of Romans, what you discover is that God offers salvation, forgiveness, redemption to people. And, and, and it's not given to us because it's something we deserve. God, It's not like we earn our salvation. It's not like we, God looks at us and says, man, you are so good that man, you get to go to heaven. That's not the way that it works. It's just simply God in His grace offers us offers us the gift of salvation, and when we receive it, and you become a follower of Jesus, something transformational happens in your life. You become a different person. God changes people. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ." He is a new creation, says the old has gone, behold the new has come. So when you become a follower of Jesus, you change. Now, so if you change, then that's going to affect relationships that you have. Now, one of the relationships that it's going to affect is your relationship with people. I mean, Jesus himself talked about this. If you're a follower of me, says it's going to change the way you relate to people. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45, Jesus said... You've heard that it was said, "Love your neighbor and hate your enemy." And it makes sense. Does that make sense to y'all? Make sense to me. But then Jesus says, "But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Now, let me tell you something. It takes the power of Jesus in a person's life, for them to be able to deal with people like that. So when you come into contact with Jesus, he changes you, you become a different person. But, but coming into contact with Jesus will also impact your relationship with the government. And uh, today we're going to see a biblical view of Christians and government. And, and the very first view is this, is what the Bible tells us. It says Christians are to submit to government authority. Okay, now, for, I read that, and I was like, oh, this is not my favorite. Okay, and so, if, and if you say, I, I don't agree with that, okay, you don't, you don't have to talk to me about this. You can talk to Paul, who wrote this. So, this is what Paul said, verses 1 and 2. He said, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. So then the one, this is interesting, the one who resists the authority, speaking of government, is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Okay, as you if you're anything like me, I read that and I thought, I don't like this. You know, this is not my, this is not my favorite verse to read right here. But it doesn't matter what I, what I like or what I don't like. And there's a lot of questions I have about this. But before we get there... Okay, I just want to, we'll just do, y'all get to participate here, a little background here. Okay, first of all, who wrote, the, y'all know who wrote this book, the book of Romans? Okay, Paul did. Okay, so it's to Romans now, not just all Romans, it's to the Christian church in Rome. Now here's, this is the tough question. Do you know who was emperor during the time when Paul wrote this? Nero, man, y'all are sharp. Nero. Okay, now you might say, okay, I've heard of Nero. Who is Nero? Okay, I'm just going to let you Nero was not like a really good guy. Hey, Nero was a bad guy. And so that's why I find this passage of Scripture interesting. Paul says we are to submit to government authority. He's saying this knowing that Nero is the ruler of you know, basically the world. Okay, so that's, and Paul writes this, we are to submit to authority. Now, what kind of guy was Nero? Well, listen to what some ancient historians had to say about Nero. Plenty the Elder said, Nero is an enemy of mankind. Josephus, the Jewish historian, called Nero a tyrant. Uh, the ancient historian, uh, Christian historian, Tertullian, was the first to call Nero the first persecutor of Christians. Nero was the man who ordered the executions of Peter and Peter. And Paul. So very interesting to me. Paul knows who Nero is, and and he says, as Christians, he says, we are to submit to government authority. Okay, and I read that and I thought, okay, there's got to be a loophole in here somewhere. What does submit mean? You know, maybe he says submit means you submit where you want to, then everything else, you just ignore it. That unfortunately, that is not what submit means. Uh, the word submit carries with it the idea of carrying a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and to carry a burden. So here's what Paul's teaching Paul was teaching that if you're going to be a good Christian, a part of being a good Christian is being a good citizen. Okay, why? You're not know, looking at say, well, why is that? Why is that something that is so important? Well, the answers are given in our verses. Uh, for starters, we are told that there is no authority that comes from anywhere except from God. In other words, did you know it is God who has set up governments? God is the one who institutes and sets up who rulers are. And so I find that to be very interesting. And as a matter of fact, more than interesting, I think, why? God, why did you do that? You know, I'm one of these people, I just, I like it, you know, when I don't have anybody having control over me. You know, less government is good to me. I mean, I like this. God, why did you even start governments? Here's why. Because, y'all, as people, we need governing. As people, we are flawed and we are messed up. And it is in our nature to go outside of the bounds that God has in store for us. I mean, think about it. I mean, those of you who are parents, you know this is true with your kids. When you're not around, what do your kids generally do? Don't answer. They just, they generally do things you don't want them to do. Can you imagine if they were in charge of their own diet? I mean, if you weren't around, it'd be awful. You know, they'd be sitting around, you know, eating, you know, Cocoa Puffs and smoking cigarettes probably for breakfast. I mean, all this stuff. God gave parents. God gave children parents so that we could govern them. Amen. Parents? Yes. I mean, that's that's why we are here. We are here to be in charge. Uh, it is in our nature to rebel as people. Now, as adults, we can't give ourselves a free pass. I mean, if you're driving down the road and you're not real sure what the speed limit is, what do you just naturally assume that it is? A hundred, right? So, I, mean, I don't see it, and so it's, just our, it's our nature to do what we feel is right. Okay, That's why God gave us government. That's why, that's why we have fences. We need fences to keep us in line. And so government, in a sense, serves as a guardrail for our lives. Now, we all know, you know, you've seen guardrails when you're driving down the road. You see a guardrail on a bridge, or you'll see it in the median. And the guardrail is there in order to protect us from crossing over, right? I mean, on a bridge, there's a guardrail there, because uh, if it wasn't there, then you're gonna, you, know, you could go off the side of the bridge, and, and it's not going to be good. I mean, if you, you have a guardrail in the median, and it, you know, your car will hopefully you know run into it to keep you from going into oncoming traffic. Okay, in a sense, that's what, that's what God's saying here. God's saying, I have instituted government to serve as a guardrail for your life. And when he says he instituted it, he is saying, I established it. I established it in order to protect you. Now, if the guardrails are there, one thing that we don't want to do is we don't want to slam into the guardrails. We want to, we want to allow them to guide us. Now, have you ever been to a place before where there's not guardrails? Or, or a place before where there's not, it just, there's rules really don't seem to matter? You ever been to a country like that? Um, every, every year, <clears throat> our church goes down to Haiti. And I remember the first time I went down there, I was with uh, the guy who runs the, the children's home that was there. And so I was driving. And they have, you know, they have stop signs. And they have lanes, but nobody, it doesn't matter. They're just there. Nobody enforces that stuff. And I'm not lying, we were driving along, there were people who drove on the sidewalk. I mean, now in my world, there's times when I think I should be able to drive on the sidewalk. But Now you just sitting there and there's like just a bunch of traffic, so people are like, well, the traffic's really bad here. I see a sidewalk over there. And you see people, you know, sitting at tables, they'll get up and move out and a car goes by. It is complete chaos. Um, at nighttime, we were driving up into the mountain, and you know, I'm sitting there looking at the road, and we're in a bus, and there was a guy on a motorcycle, I mean, it's dark outside, and he's co- it's head-on coming right at us, and he doesn't have a headlight on, and so he just slides over into the, you know, the shoulder of the road and keeps going, because he's in a hurry. Okay, now, when you live like that, there is, it is chaos, there are accidents, it is Dangerous. So God has given us government in order to help society run in a more civil and orderly way. So that's why Paul says, hey, listen, our, our Christian response to government is we are to submit to authority because God is the one who gave us that authority in order to protect us. So that, that is the that is the first biblical view of a Christian and his relationship with government. Now this is one I think will be a little more palatable to you. And another biblical view of Christians and government is this: the government is meant to serve the people. That is the reason why we have government. The government is here in order to serve the people. And we'll we'll explain a little more about what that means, but look in verses 3 and 4. It says, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do good, and you will have its approval. For government is God's servant for you to do good but if you do wrong he says be afraid because it does carry the sword for no reason for government is God's servant an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong Now you, you can have all the rules and regulations we want y'all we can pass Congress can pass a million laws but they will not matter they will not make a difference in our lives in our society unless those rules are actually enforced and the reason why is because people, as I said earlier, by nature, we are rebellious. And it's really interesting how when you enforce something, it can serve as a deterrent. Um, now, we're, we're by nature rebellious. You might, be, you might say, well, my sweet old grandmother, you didn't know her. I promise you, deep within her heart, she was rebellious. It's the Bible says. Okay, the Bible tells us that we are all in our nature. We are, we are objects of wrath. Ephesians 2.3 says, We too... Previously, All previously lived among them in our fleshly desires. We carry out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we are or were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. Now, now, now think about that for a minute. We by nature are rebellious. So what has God done? God has given us leaders. He has given us government in order not not to harm people who are good but to keep law in order and so the, the job of government is to is to punish those who are bad and to treat those who do good to treat them well but the government serves as a deterrent for good to serve the people have you ever noticed isn't it interesting when you're driving down the road what happens when you're driving down the road and you just happen to peek up in your rearview mirror and you see a highway patrolman. What, what do you naturally do? You, I'm like, how fast am I going? It's amazing how that is. Boy, that just really keeps you in check, doesn't it? You know, all of a sudden you're going you know, you go from, you could be going 57 miles an hour, and next thing you know, you're going 54. You know, it just, but it just, you know, that, and that, that, is, that is what government does. Government is there, it's, it's to punish those, so that they are there to punish those who break the law and actually to serve as a deterrent for those of us who don't to make sure that we keep on doing good. And whenever we do that, the the job of the government is to honor its citizens and to punish those who aren't honorable. Paul said, now to do this, the government carries a sword. Now, he's speaking symbolically here, and I guess you could say also literally, but symbolically the sword was emit power. Uh, the, sword meant, you know, the sword meant that whenever somebody steps in line, there is one who has a, who has a sword who's going to be able to punish. But the, the government was given the sword not to lord it over people. It was to protect the people. It was to, it was to, to, it was to, to serve them for their good. Now, if you're a parent, you've, you, you understand this. Parents in the home are given the sword. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I would be, you know, I'd, could do something that was disobedient, and my dad, my dad would spank me, and he would call me. in. And it wasn't every time, but every once in a while, dad would say, Son, I want you to know this is going to hurt me more than you. You all ever hear that? It'll hurt me more than you. And I'd be like, Dad, because I love you, I don't want you to hurt yourself. So don't do that. So, but it didn't matter. So Dad, would, he, would, he would punish me anyway. You know why he would punish me? Because if he didn't punish me, there are rules and regulations that they had, but if, if there was no teeth behind them, guess what I'm going to do? I just want to keep on taking advantage as much as I can. But when I was punished, then I was like, you know, I don't think I want to do that. You know, I don't want to do it because I don't like the consequences that come with that. So, so laws are given, and when they're enforced, it's for the good of the people. Now, if you look at verse number 4, it tells us government, this is interesting to me, government is God's servant for your good. So, so what does that mean? That the government serves their servants for the people. But here's my fear. My fear is that over time, that has been forgotten. The government, in many ways, is viewed as God, and the people serve the government. Now, that's not what, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says government is to serve the people. I can, I can give you an example. In, in 2016, I saw tax revenues for so the first half of 2016 was a record $1.48 trillion. It's a lot. Okay, you know where that money came from? you 1.48 trillion dollars and yet in that same time period our government still ran a deficit of 461 billion dollars that is not serving the people okay, now that's what that's what the government's here the government's here to serve the people and my fear is that 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 has been forgotten now you said well then should we have a have a big old rebellion you know and I think part, partly uh, some of you are nodding Uh, but you know and that's that's the feeling that we have but but what does scripture has to say for those of us who are christians well it tells us it says first of all we, we see a lot of things it doesn't mean i agree with everything our government does but the scripture tells me that i am to respect authority and i'm to respect it for a reason because god is the one who gave the authority now you might say well does this mean that i'm to be obedient regardless of what the government does now, if you look in Romans 13, 1-7, you can read through this. You're going to come away saying, well, that's your, what it seems like it's saying. But that's why we always tell people, you know, you can make the Bible say anything you want to. But that's why you have to look at what all of Scripture says. You know, just pick a little, you just pick a couple of verses and say, but well, that's, that's it. You look at all of Scripture. Did you know that there are examples in the Bible of people being disobedient to government? Uh, here's, y'all remember the story of King Nebuchadnezzar? He built, a, he built a big old statue and told everybody. He said, everybody has to bow down and worship it. Three guys said, well, we're not going to do it. You know what? Now, they weren't doing it just to be jerks. There's a reason why they didn't want to do it. Because it violated a direct command from God, the very first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. And they said, we're not going to bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar went apoplectic. I mean, he was, he was absolutely en, enraged. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't pull out clubs and try to beat him to death. They just came up to him and said, we're not going to be obedient. He said, I'm going to throw you into the fire. You know what the response was? Go ahead. I, y'all, those guys, that's not me. But those guys, I think, I would love to be like those guys. You know, they said, you know what? If our God, our God can save us, but if he doesn't, He can burn us up. I mean, it's amazing. That they, were, they were disobedient. They refused to follow because it was a direct violation of God's command. Uh, there's Peter in the New Testament the religious leaders of the day, they told him, they said, you quit preaching in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to do it. That was part of his command. It's part of the Great Commission. He said, I'm not going to be silent. As a matter of fact, he said in Acts 5.29, he said, we must obey God rather than men. Now, there are times whenever we are called to be disobedient. The only time, though, that we are called to be disobedient is when there is a command given by our government that is in direct violation of God's word. Now, now, whenever I talk about disobedience, I'm, I'm speaking of, I really believe it's civil disobedience. I'm not talking about, you know, y'all, we have, we have the, the, the means and the ability. If there's something we don't agree with, we think that's are leaders that are going against our government, then they tell you something, that we, we have a calling to practice the rights that God has given us. We can go out, we can vote, we can do other things, but there might be times whenever government might stand against us and say, you know what, you can't do that you cannot you you cannot speak out in Jesus' name. Well then I think sometimes that we're, there's be calling for some of us and we're going to have to pay the price for that but we're going to be obedient to God rather than men. But Paul said even though that happens Paul said regardless of what government's doing you respect authority. You respect authority. We're called to Did you know we're called to pray for our leaders? Second Timothy two one and two says: First of all, then I urge you, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now, now the scripture tells us that we have, you know, we have a there's a biblical view of how Christians and government are to respond to each other. First, we're to submit to the authority of government. Secondly, though the government's to serve the people, but then the last one is, but, but we're to support the government as well. Christians, we are called to support. Okay, now what does that mean? Well, let's look in verses 6 and 7. It says, For this reason, you pay taxes. Since the authorities are God's public servants, continually attending to these tasks, P- pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those who you owe taxes, toll to, to, toll to those who, to who you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. Uh, there's a story about a preacher in Alabama, and he was... He was preaching revival in another county. He was late, and uh, so he was trying to hurry up and get to the church. He's speeding. He's going 20 miles over the speed limit. And as he's driving, he looked in his rearview mirror and saw that he had his church sticker in the back window. He's like, "Oh my gosh, that's such a bad witness." So he pulled over and yanked it off and kept going 20 miles over the speed limit. <laughs> now that's how that's how that's how some of us, you know, that's how sort of how some of us deal with um, with our government as well and the way that we respond. Uh, that pastor he didn't show a great deal of respect for the law didn't show a great deal of respect for his faith and how we're supposed to live it out. But you know as Christians I, I, I have a ten- this is where I'm convicted. I, I've had a tendency to do that whenever it comes to, uh, to, to politicians and, and, and those types of things, the things that they stand for. Now I think I'm right on a lot of, on, on policy. So if you all want, want to know the right answers, just give me a call. Uh, but I, I might feel that I'm right, but where, where I struggle, is in the issue of showing respect for those who are my leaders who don't agree with me, and so I can be like that pastor. I can rip off my sticker, so I'm a Christian, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take you know I'm gonna take off my I don't wear a collar, but I'm gonna take off my collar and then speak out and say whatever it is that I want to. Now, some of you might feel the same way. Now, I want to say this: I don't I don't care um, what you think about Trump. I don't care what you thought about Obama when Paul spoke. Nero was emperor. Okay, Paul has street cred. Okay, Nero killed this guy. And what did Paul say? Paul said, you respect authority. Okay, I look around now. Now, your, your, your politician may or may not be in office. Y'all, We are not, as, and even as Christians, we are not doing this. Last administration, this administration. And let me tell you something, I'm convicted here. But what does Scripture say? Scripture says you show respect. It's not respect for what they do. It's respect for the office because God is the one who instituted the office. Okay, now why did he institute the office? He instituted the office for authority. Now, it's supposed to be used for good. It's supposed to be used in order to protect the people because God understands that we in our nature, we are sinful in our nature. We wonder. We wonder. We wander away from God. And then I look at Paul, and I say, Paul, you know, and I can gripe all I want to, but look at Paul. Nero is in charge, and Paul said, you show Nero respect, the office of leadership. Uh, The Christian writer, Tertullian, who lived during this time, he wrote a letter to the emperor of Rome during a time of Christian persecution. And it's a really interesting letter, because you would think he's writing him, and he's going to blast the guy. But, but list what, this is what he wrote. Listen to what he wrote. He said, without ceasing, for our emperor, we Christians, he says, we offer prayer. We pray for your life prolonged. Y'all, I've prayed for some rulers before. That's not been the prayer. We pray for your life prolonged, for security to the empire, for protection to the imperial house, for brave armies, a faithful senate. We pray for a virtuous people for a world at rest, whatever is man or Caesar, an emperor would wish we pray for this. Uh, re- the respect that early Christians showed for their government authorities was the norm. That's interesting. It was the norm. Y'all, you know, we're living in a time of great turmoil, a great lack of civility, and I believe we need to be reminded. Of what God's calling is for Christians and our government. So, so what's our relationship to be? Well, we're to submit to government authority. Now, not, not if they go against the commands of God, but we are to show respect. Uh, the government is meant to serve people, and we're to be supportive of the government. Now, now as I worked through this message and I looked at it, I was, you know, I was convicted. Um, it bothered me because I've spent a whole lot more time griping than I have praying for those who will power. And that's our calling. And so I just thought, you know what, what's a good way to close out the service? You know, something active that we can do. Here's what I believe we can do. We can pray for those in power. You might say, well, I don't like those in power. I don't care. God doesn't care. God says this, I'm telling you, this is what you do. You pray for those in power. Who, who, and you might say, well, which ones? Well, okay, I'm going to tell you. All of them. President, your governor, your city government your county government, y'all, that's the Democrats and Republicans. I mean, it doesn't matter. You, well, What am I, I going to pray for them for? What am I going to pray for them to do? Well, I look at Tertullian's prayer, and I think, man, a life prolonged. Security to the empire. Protection for our leaders' homes. For brave leaders. For a faithful legislature. For a virtuous people that God would give our world rest. That's our calling. That's a, that's a biblical view of a Christian's relationship with the government. You may agree with it, you may not. You know what, I just, in my nature, it's like, I don't agree with that. But you know what, I ain't God. And I'm not called to agree with myself, I'm called to agree and be obedient to what God says. <laughs>